Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Daily Bread podcast hosted by the Women Well. We pray today you are brought near to the Father's heart and you receive daily bread from His presence through this conversation. Enjoy. Oh, beautiful women of the well. This is your host, Bailey Redman. <laughs> I'm back at it again um, for another episode. And I'm super excited to be here with you guys. I love you guys very much. And I'm very grateful that you guys are here listening and that you're a part of the well community. That was a motorcycle. <laughs> we love you guys so much. So I'm excited to share with you beautiful, epic, amazing women about another woman of the Bible that I adore so much. Last week, I shared about Mary Bethany, um, who is one of my Bible heroes. And I also want to share another one of my Bible heroes, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, which if you didn't know, on some of our previous episodes, um, especially in an episode, you can go find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, where Marcella, who is the founder of the well, um, shared about just a story of how the well came to be, you know, how we became who we are. Um, she did share on two foundational scriptures that the well ministry is founded upon. And that is Luke 1, boom, 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 and it is John 4. And we're actually going to talk about John 4 today. One of my favorite things in the whole wide world that I'm very passionate about is the Great Commission. And I know for some of us, we think that it is the great suggestion, but it is the great commission. (laughs) It is a command for all believers to go into all the world, preaching the gospel, gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, making disciples and teaching them about Jesus, teaching them about who he is. So... The Great Commission is not just reserved for the missionary. It's not only for mission movements to trumpet. You hear me, all you corporate baddies listening to this right now. All those who are maybe not in ministry, a conventional ministry. You are also commanded to obey the Great Commission. It's a command to every believer. And if you follow Jesus, souls should matter immensely to you. It's his ministry. The Great Commission is more than just filling up our church services every Wednesday and Sunday. So much more. The Great Commission is not exclusively for your missions trips and your outreaches. Listen to me. Those should not be the only times that we are telling people about Jesus. This is something that I'm actually, I'm personally um, like convicted of. That if the only time we ever tell people about Jesus is when we're doing ministry or, you know, if I'm at a a service or if I'm on a high school campus, if that's the only time I preach the gospel, there's a problem. I may not be sharing in God's burden for souls because Jesus has a 24-7 ministry interceding at the right hand of the Father for the nations. You know, we hear that in Psalms 2. Ask of me. For, the, for your inheritance, like Jesus asked for the nations as his inheritance. He is praying 
for the nations of the earth. He is praying for souls. It is his will, his desire that none should perish. So that should not be our only context in us preaching the gospel. It's your alarm clock. The Great Commission is your mandate. It is the match meeting the oil that keeps the fire. You know, like Jeremiah talks about the fire shut up in our bones that Jeremiah could hardly keep it in. He couldn't contain the word, the fire shut up in his bones. This is the Great Commission to us. It's a fire that never sleeps. And you can't keep it in. Okay, listen. Romans 1.16 says, For I am unashamed of the gospel. It's the power of salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. If the gospel is the power of salvation, how could you keep it in? <laughs> like, how could you be like, ah, you know, that's not relevant. You know, I probably shouldn't share that. You know, people, no one needs to hear that. They don't want to hear that. It's as if you have the very cure to cancer and you're keeping it a secret because you don't want to offend people. Like you have the cure to this cancer called sin, the power of salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can we hold that in to a lost and dying world who is crying out literally creation groans and waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So if you're listening to this right now, whether you have a full-time job, you're in corporate, or you are in ministry, or you're a mom, or whatever, whatever, wherever you fall in life, this is a call for you too. And when I talk about the woman at the well, who is the first woman evangelist, might I add, the first evangelist in the Gospels, might I add, um, I want you guys to really like, Feel the invitation and the mandate that God is placing on every single one of our lives to obey with simple obedience, with love burning in our hearts, that we would go to the ends of the earth with love, for love, to speak of love, Jesus Christ. So um, I am going to read really quickly Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20. This is actually where the Great Commission is found in the Bible. So I'm going to actually read the Great Commission. It says at verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to him and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Ah, if you don't tell the good news, Satan will always raise up a counter gospel. Satan, which we see this, always raises up a counterfeit. I mean, we see this. There is the Christ, the coming Messiah. And then what does Satan do? What hand does he play? He raises up the Antichrist. There is the true living gospel and Satan raises up a counterfeit gospel. There is true godly uh, prophets and then there are false prophets preaching a false message. 
Um, when we see in Matthew 24, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. When we talk about the gospel over and over again, you'll preach the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. I'm unashamed of the gospel. The gospel literally means good news. This is good news that Jesus not only came, not only died, not only rose again, but he's coming again. Did you know the whole Maranatha message, Jesus returning? It literally just says, Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus will not return unless the Great Commission is fulfilled. So that means that every nation, every soul has to hear the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ before he can return. So this must mean it's a pretty big deal to him. <laughs> and if we don't share the good news, Satan will, will spread his gospel, <laughs> the gospel of deception, the gospel of death, the gospel of destruction. Like this is this is the reality, guys. I mean, we see it. We see it so much. Like they say all the time, or they, as in like, I hear people say this all the time, that if you don't tell the uh, tell people about, you know, uh, what's good, what's wrong, if you don't talk about, if the church doesn't tackle issues like pornography, if the church doesn't lead the way in media and in the arts, if the church doesn't lead the way in the, you know, seven mountains, the seven spheres of influence, then guess who will? The world. Satan. He, you know, the age or the spirit of the age. We see it. We see it now. Like even in music and in media and all these things, because the, the church historically has kind of been silent or has chosen to take in take a more passive position in the world, you know, for out of fear or out of fear of offending people or whatever, you know, fill in the blank. We all know we're a part of the church. <laughs> we're all part of the, you know, we're all, all a part of the problem, essentially. Well, we have seen the world rise up, Satan himself rise up and choose to disciple a whole generation through media through the arts, through, you know, fill in the blank. Like, we've, we see it. So I am encouraging you as a believer, don't be afraid. Don't choose to be quiet and passive about the gospel because you're afraid of offending someone. The gospel is offensive. A gospel without the cross is demonic. A crossless gospel, a, a gospel that doesn't, call you to lay down your rights, a gospel that doesn't call you to lay down your life and even your own dignity and your reputation, it's not of Christ because Jesus himself humiliated himself, humbled himself to the point of death. So there's a price to the gospel, but it's good news. It is such good news. It is the answer to the, the problems that we're seeing in the earth. You are an answer to the Great Commission. You are an answer, literally, to what you're seeing in the earth. So, share the gospel at whatever cost. Share the gospel whatever means necessary. Um, and here on Revelation 12, verse 11, it says, which we've, we're, pretty, we're all probably familiar with this verse, 
And they have conquered him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives, even unto death. If you don't know how to share the gospel, if you don't know where to start, share through the gospel, share the gospel through your testimony. Because the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So as you share your own testimony, you are literally releasing the testimony of Jesus. It's a spirit of prophecy. So what he's done in you, he'll do it again. All right, all right, all right, all right. I think we've laid the foundation of what the gospel is and how it's really important and how God really cares about souls. But now I want to uh, talk to you guys about the woman at the well. So I'm going to read John 4. If you have your Bibles or if you're in the car, don't worry about it. But if you have your Bibles, flip to John 4. And we're going to talk about this beautiful, amazing woman. I'm actually going to pull up my digital Bible as we speak because I didn't have it. All right, John 4. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Um, Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. So we came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Sychar, how do you say it? Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Then Jesus said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and I don't have to keep coming back here. And he told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say this. The fact is, you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. When What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. 
God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, the Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then, his disciples returned and were supposed to find, or were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking to her? And leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they all came out of their town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Ooh, oh, it's so good. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Like they're so confused. Why is he full? Anyways, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. Oh, that's so crazy. And then skipping down, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Oh, because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Mic drop. Come on, that story literally gets me so fired up. So fired up. Like that in itself is the gospel right then and there. First of all, this woman is the very first woman besides the disciples, outside of the disciples, that Jesus fully and boldly revealed himself as the Messiah. The first person that Jesus revealed himself to as Messiah fully and boldly and upfront like that is a woman, an outcasted woman, a woman who no one else wanted to deal with, that no one else wanted anything to do with because of her reputation, because of what she's gone through. And even, you know, racially, there was a divide between the Jews and the Samaritans. Um, My God, Jesus crossed every line, every barrier, Every um, margin, margin, really, because she's marginalized, he crossed it all to reach her. I believe full-heartedly that Jesus was waiting for her. Because Jesus, why on earth would he go to a well? Like, think about that. For, okay, for Jewish customs, it's very typical for women to go early in the mornings with their water jugs and to gather around the well get their water for their cooking, for their cleaning, whatever it is that they need for drinking. And it's kind of like a social hour, to be honest. It's, you know, it's like the hair salon or the nail salon or the coffee shops. Like it was kind of like a a meeting place for women to come together and to socialize. Um, like it just doesn't make sense that Jesus like was chilling at the well. It was almost as if Jesus knew. 
that this woman was coming. I think he knew. It doesn't say that, but I think he knew. And this woman, the Samaritan woman, had to come in the heat of the day when it was hot. Because, you know, this is, in, this is in the Middle East, guys. Like, this isn't like California. This is the Middle East where it's the desert and it's hot and it's uncomfortable. And this woman, because of her past, because obviously, you know, getting a divorce and multiple divorces is a no-no. She was forced to go draw her water when it's really, really, really hot. You know, it was just an uncomfortable, not great situation. And there's Jesus. And I love this woman because this woman had sass. If you didn't pick up on it, she had some major sarcasm with Jesus where she was like, literally, okay, I'll go back to the verse where she said it, where she said, um, okay, in verse 12, where she's like, oh, so you're saying you're greater than our father, Jacob, who literally gave us the well, who built it and drank from himself. Like you have not, you, why are you talking about this water? Like, who are you, dude? Like, why are you here? And like, you're over here saying you have water that will never run dry. Like, who do you think you are? Basically, is what she's saying. Who do you think you are? And so then, you know, Jesus is saying, well, if you drink of my water, you'll never be thirsty again. And it's going to well up into eternal life. And she's like, yeah, well, you know, maybe you should give me some of that water so I don't have to come back to this dusty, crusty place, you know, so I don't have to come back here in humiliation in the heat of the day. And that's when Jesus is like, why don't you go tell your husband? And I just want to like even point this out. A lot of people paint the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, as a um, like as as she's in the wrong. You know what I mean? Like they paint her out to be kind of like this promiscuous woman because she's saying that she's had multiple husbands. It is illegal in Jewish or not Jewish customs, but in these in those days, it wasn't possible for a woman to divorce her husbands. So chances are she was abandoned. She was the one. And especially back in those times when they would divorce a woman, they would literally leave them on the outskirts of town for dead. Like, like if a man got a divorce for a woman, it could be, especially back in those days, it could be for anything. The man could literally be like, I don't like the way you looked at me today. And have grounds somehow to divorce. Okay. So instead of painting out this woman to be a promiscuous, sinful lady, like change your perspective. She was abandoned. She was marginalized. Not once, not twice, five times. Like this woman has been used and abused and she's aching. And you know, I I can even imagine as I'm like reading this text in John four, I can hear even like the defense and the sassiness and kind of like, you know, the walls put up. I don't know if you've ever met a woman who, you know, is just kind of like, you know, or uses humor to deflect or, you know, puts up this front of just like, I'm good. I don't need no one. I'm strong. Like, leave me. You don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. And it's, it comes from a place of pain of wounding. And you see that with this woman. And so Jesus, literally, as the disciples are gone in town buying food, he, he literally, like, he, he set this up for her to meet this woman in the midst of her pain, in the midst of 
her wounding. And he reveals to her, I'm the one that you've been searching for. That ache, that gap in your heart, that hole in your soul that you've been filling with whatever, with another husband, another husband, another husband, because you've been abandoned, because you've been rejected. You're thirsty. You're longing for love. You're longing for salvation. Like, I'm right in front of you. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that you've been looking for. And I love, I love, I love, I love, I love, I love that she's a social outcast. Like she's never named in this in John 4, yet her encounter with Jesus is the longest between Jesus and any other individual in the gospel. Any other person you hear in the gospels that Jesus is talking to, it's usually a few verses or like one statement that's recorded, you know? This is the longest dialogue between Jesus and any other person in the gospels. This is important. There's a, this is a, a, an, a burden in Jesus's heart. And this woman is representing the lowest of the low. She's a female in a society where women are both demeaned and disregarded. A race, she's a part of a race, the Samaritan race, a race traditionally despised by Jews. And she's living in shame as a social outcast. Like, what? 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 Um, but this woman is not a sinful woman. The sermon, like, this sermon that, uh, you know, or sorry, this account on John 4, like, you have to see that her losing husband, it could be from war, illness, prison, you know, a woman, a woman in a patriarch, patriarchal, I can't say that word, patriarch, I can't, yeah, in a, in a man-ruling society, like, women were nothing. So not only is her story one that points to Jesus overcoming exclusiveness and, you know, every, every barrier you can imagine in society, um, it shows that this woman who preaches, teaches, and evangelizes and works as an apostle was the one that Jesus was after. That Jesus has a significant place in his heart for women and that he wants to use women to preach the gospel and fulfill the great commission. That's important. Like see this as yourself and also see that her story saved an entire city. Like your story, your story can lead to salvation. Like when the woman believed, when Jesus said, like, I am he, I'm the Messiah, when the woman believed, she immediately ran off to tell others. Her words made an impact. It literally says in verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of this woman's testimony. And I just, even if you guys want to research this, I can't go too much into this because of time. But this woman um, in Orthodox, um, uh, where is it? I think it's in... Um, in Orthodox research, you can Google it. They actually did find a name for this woman and they call her Fontina. Oh, Eastern Orthodox tradition. They regard her as Fontina and they consider her as equal to the apostles and they praise her for her work in growing and strengthening the early church. But I want you guys to hear this. 
um, literally it says that Fontina actually, um, she confronted Nero, who we know as a very oppressive ruler, emperor, a persecutor of Christians, that she actually um, confronted him about killing and persecuting Christians. And in turn, Nero, Emperor Nero, um, killed her, martyred her and her entire family. And where did they throw her? They threw her in a well. They threw her and her entire family because she confronted Emperor Nero for persecuting and killing Christians. They murdered and martyred her themselves and her entire family and threw her in a well, the same place where she first met Jesus. Like, let that sink in. This woman who is outcasted, who is rejected, who is abandoned, who you maybe in modern times would consider the lowest of the low, Maybe it's somebody that if you saw on the streets, you'd be reluctant to tell the gospel to. This woman become, became the greatest evangelist, the first evangelist, a woman evangelist, and in turn gave her own life up for Jesus. And so I really just want to encourage women listening to this right now. He is so worthy of souls. He is so worthy of you laying down your own dignity and your own reputation and your own fear of man to shout it out from the rooftops that there is a Messiah who has come, who is the answer to your the longings and the desperation of your soul. A broken, lost, dying world needs to know that there is a Jesus, <laughs> that there is a solution, that there's a hope, and his name is Jesus. It's all found in Jesus Christ, and if you don't tell them, who will? Be the Fontina. <laughs> Be the woman at the well. Be the one who will, you know, allow the Lord to receive the lamb, or sorry, receive the reward of his suffering. The lamb is worthy to receive the full reward of his suffering in every nation, in every soul, in high schools, in your, you know, your hometown, in your own family. And if you don't tell them who will, the, it's more than just the four walls of a church. The bride's beautiful. We need the bride. But the gospel is unto the four corners of the earth, not just the four walls of your church. From Jerusalem to the world. Like, love has a name. The world needs to know that love has a name, and his name is Jesus. So bring him what he's worthy of. Bring him what he's worthy of. So I just want to pray for you. As we end this podcast episode, and I hope this encourages you, and I hope like you see that through the life of the woman at the well, that he is so worthy of you laying everything down, shouting it out from the rooftops that Jesus is Lord, and that he is the true living water. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for these women that you're commissioning out to obey to the four corners of the earth, all because of love, all because of love, because they love you. Father, thank you, Lord, for John Ford. Thank you for the woman at the well. Thank you for this story. I help, or I pray, God, that you would help us, help us, help us, help us to be those women who would quickly obey who would go, even when it's scary, even when it 
feels uncomfortable, even when, you know, we have the fear of man and all these things, Jesus, I ask God that you would give us the boldness and the courage to be unashamed of the gospel and that we would shout it out from the rooftops that Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is Lord. And that there is an answer. There is an answer to the crying, desperate longings of our souls. It's Jesus. So, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for commissioning us out as women, as daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Well Women Podcast, Daily Bread. And I pray you got your daily bread from the word today. And make sure you go and follow us on Instagram at the underscore well underscore women. Um, And also make sure you download our app, the well app. It is epic and there's so many resources. So love you guys very much. Have the best day.